This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 478, brought to you by Scribd.com and iFanboy listeners like you. Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 478. I am Josh Flanagan, and I am here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Hi. 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 I, I note that I, I put the emphasis on the kill. Well. Uh, which in Gaelic means you dri- church. You drive, you drive me far enough, Josh. In Gaelic, that means church, the church of Patrick. Interesting. Yeah. What if I get a tax break for that? Probably not. We are iFanboy. We like comics. We don't like taxes. Not that we're those people. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Every week we read our stack. I like roads. Uh, we read our stack of comics, and one of us picks the favorite way I shouldn't talk. I'm sorry. It's tax season. That. It's tax season. That's it's true. My brain. It's That's appropriate. Uh, we call that the pick of the week. We will talk about that book, other books, talk about some other stuff. Remember to uh, see. I, <laughs> my mind just wandered because I thought I have to remember to go check for those 1099 DIV forms that I have. <laughs> I'm serious. I have a stack, and I was like, all right, and the account needs them. Anyway, we're going to talk about some of the comics from the week, read some listener mail. It'll be fun, way more fun than doing the taxes. We, I fanboy, way more fun than doing taxes. <laughs> it's, Unless, a low, you know, it's a low bar. Here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There will be spoilers. You know, there you are. Connor. Yes. You had to pick of the week. Pick of the week. The Multiversity Ultra Comics number one. And this seemed to me to be the distillation of Grant Morrison's brain. More, more so than almost any of these issues. And if you know anything about him, if you've read his other comics, if you've read Super Gods, you know, or if you talk to him at a show or something, you know that he is very much into the idea of comics as spells, comics being able to conjure up real things in reality. And this entire issue was uh, a meta comic in which the character, the character named Ultra Comics uh, spoke to us the audience and so did many of the people in the comic and the and plus it also in in the middle of it there was a little bit of a a, a showcase on the history of comics in which the style of the character changes and mm-hmm. so there was, it was felt like i was reading a uh sampling of his ideas from super gods in comic form yeah there was some of that there was also some i mean it's obviously there's a there's a marvel man Yes, uh, connection pretty heavily. Yes, um, which could would you say that that would have been the first postmodern superhero? I mean, I don't know. I think so. Could be. Could I be. mean, like in the larger sense of of like the real deconstruction of what the superhero is. Well, I feel considering like, that it's all Alan Moore, and it was one of his earliest yeah. things. And yeah, probably. I think that's the, sort of the bellwether for it. And then at the same time, he's also uh, touching on on some of that that fourth wall stuff. And I have to admit, I totally fell for it. Like, and I remember, you probably don't remember, but uh, we did the Grant Morrison podcast on uh, Animal Man. We did a fourth wall podcast. Yeah, no, that's what I was... A video podcast. And I remember we talked about Animal Man and the moment Animal Man when he looks out at you and he sees that he's being read by And I I think this is a further... That's what I was going to say. This is a further exploration of that idea. No, but what I'm saying is when that happened in Animal Man, I freaked out. It could be because I was reading at two in the morning. Yeah. But uh, in this part... When the uh, bat creature villain shows up and uh, 
you know, he says, don't turn the, you know, the, the narrator basically says, don't turn the page. Mm-hmm. It's going to be bad. And then he turned the page and he says, I, there you are. And then I, I, I was a little creeped out. No, there's definitely something unsettling about it. And it's, that's really interesting. It's like the monster at the end of the book, basically. Right. He's just referring to Cookie Monster. Um, <laughs> it's a classic text. But no, that's, it's, that's, you know, it's something that, that the creators know is that that is, that is disturbing. Uh, in some way, and and that does work. I like how I I liked how this book was at the same time very focused. It was also all over the place. Yes. Um. Like it was really difficult to pin down. And if you were to ask me to actually sort of describe it, I don't know that I could. I don't. I don't know. It was crazy. Yeah. And I I like that about Grant Morrison is able to go off on these crazy tangents. Where he does look at what it means to be a comic book and what it mean what a comic book has changed. Um, I liked the bit where we are seeing ultra comics through the years and uh, his thought balloons change into caption boxes. Because I've been saying for years, thought balloons aren't dead; they just change shape. Yeah, I love that. I thought that was that was really fun. And it's just like I don't like the way these look. What if I try them in square? And there, and that's what they did. And uh, the neighborhood guard is sort of very Kirby esque. Uh, the, the yeah, uh, yeah, the um. Newsboy. Newsboy Legion and um, the Cube. I, I thought this was just – this book continues to be one of the best surprises for me in the last year or so of comics. I wasn't sure what to make of it. I knew I was looking forward to it but didn't know what it was going to be. And I just find every issue to be a really interesting look at, at comics. It feels like uh, a very non-commercial idea. Totally. And I assume because it's Grant Morrison and because he gets the different artists on, it's probably doing pretty well. I mean, uh, I, I believe he's, the idea is that he, he has a fairly substantial page rate. And he um, gets an all-star. I mean, this is Doug yeah. Monkey doing really great work. Yes, uh, really great. I, I, I was very impressed he, by He said no slouches uh, on this book at all. No, but, you know, you know, it's one of the things is that people are always asking us, um, you know, what do I have to read to do this and, and whatever, and... um. And we're always like, it doesn't matter. Just pick it up and read it. However, I will say <laughs> that this is one of those things there. The more you do know, the, the more you're going to get out of it. And I know a lot more now than I did even, you know, five years ago. And, like, I don't know that I would have caught, you know, as much of what he was referencing. I'm not sure what he's saying about a lot of those things necessarily. But, you know, where you can say, oh, that's like the Newsboy Legion. And then that's like Marvel Man and... and Right, you know, it really does add a dimension. You don't need that, or or just having read Super Gods and knowing how Grant Morrison thinks about this stuff. And and I, he's he's not any different than say like a Neil Gaiman, who keeps no. who keeps going back and and sort of treading these same themes over and over. Where where Neil Gaiman's you know so many times has done the God Among Us story. This is this is Grant Mor- or this is Grant Morrison's version of that. Where mm-hmm. he's just what is the superhero? What does it mean to exist in? In the, the pages of a comic, yeah, the narrative of comics, both as a history and 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 currently, and I don't know that they're answers. It's just like they're riffs on it. It's like jazz. <laughs> it's just yeah. And he keeps well, and also playing and there, it. There's another layer of meta textual to this is that within the story of multiversity, this particular issue has been a has been an important piece, mm-hmm. right? We you know we've seen all these comics show up as comics in other worlds. So this whole book has been about all the multiverses and within each world, people have read comics and then we've read those comics. Mm-hmm. But this one in particular with the ultra comics cover in which it's, it's sort of poison to read this book is poison 
uh, it will hurt you has, has been a recurring theme throughout the, the series so far. Mm-hmm. So now we're sort of on the same plane as these characters are having read this book and have now been infected with whatever uh, has infected us. Which, by the way, is not untrue. Right. It, but it's weird. It really puts us into the story in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, we have now done the same thing that these characters have done yeah. and, and are supposedly in the same boat. It's, in, it's just interesting... He he really does look at this medium in a way that other people don't. Um, I don't know if it's all the drugs or whatever, but uh, it really is interesting. It isn't always successful, but I think so far this has been very successful. Right. I, I agree. Uh, I can't imagine to whom. I feel like <laughs> – I, I mean, I, know, I don't mean that in a bad way, but like it's pretty deep metatextual stuff. It's not really what a lot of people get into comics for. Right. Um, pretty it's it's fairly academic really um but uh i'm glad i I hope i hope people are digging it i don't i don't know that this is like my favorite thing that's going on but i i definitely am finding it really uh interesting and i'm glad that you know it's grant morrison you never know when you're just going to be taken on a ride that doesn't go anywhere sometimes sure Um, and and it may end up going nowhere at the end but Mm -hmm. even if it even if it does i will enjoy the journey so far anyway Mm mm-hmm who do you think the biggest jerk on the jury was, Hitler or Darkseid? See, that's a tough one because one of them is fake. <laughs> Although this is fake Hitler, if you want to look at it that way. Right. Um, I'm going to go, well, okay. Darkseid does not discriminate. He just, yeah. So does that make him worse or better? Well, it depends on what you think, if, if you think motivation makes a crime worse or not. Is the girl in the hat, is that Gina Davis from A League of Her Own, or is that someone else? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out who these people are. Uh, some sort of Caesar-esque person. Martin Luther. Uh, I just feel like Hitler's really... Could be. I feel like Hitler's really annoying in the jury room. <laughs> annoying? Yeah, just constantly slamming his fists on the table and shouting at everyone. Mm-hmm. And then Darkseid eventually just incinerates him with his eye beams that's what i think happens i think that i think that dark side will definitely jump the gun on the, on the judge <laughs> well the judge is the devil dark side tires of this <laughs> case closed so the multiversity ultra comics number one i about five pages in i was like uh, all right this is probably it how much how much longer does this go i don't know what's great about not knowing anything is it's just it's you just don't know i really like not knowing anything it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling good I, about I, that. I, 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 good question. I don't even know how many there have been. I don't either. Just every once in a while we get one. And I it's cool. Know. I don't know anything anymore. It's really what this boils down to. Yeah. Daredevil 14, Josh. Um, really, I, and I've said before, I've not been a huge fan of this particular volume, the San Francisco volume. Mm-hmm. Um, but this issue was interesting. I don't know how I felt about it. What did you think? My first instinct with it, which is a really obvious one and the one that we've said over and over again, is that I just, I cannot get enough of Chris Omni. Well, sure. I, I, just, I want to watch him draw clothes. Mm-hmm. I love I love the way that he, he and like well my favorite thing when we go to shows would be to, we would used to hang out in Artist Alley when yeah. he, before he was a big deal and chat with him. And I would just love to watch him because he would draw with a yeah. brush. Yeah. He would, and he would draw invert, inverted, right? He'd draw the negative space with the brush. Yeah. And all of a sudden, out of the negative space would emerge this character or whatever. 
And I used to just be mesmerized by it. I, I, am, I don't know why we didn't film that stuff, but uh, the, the, the mistakes we made are legion. Um, <laughs> as I was reading this one, I was more and more like, "There's a lot in common here with what Darwin Cook does." Mm-hmm. There's more stuff going on than in the normal, but but almost older, like uh, like New Frontier kind of Darwin stuff. Right. That sort of textural cartooning. Um, it's I love it. It's busier. Yes. Uh, I mean, like Darwin's panels, especially if you look back at New Frontier, are very open. It's three or four panels a page. Yeah. Um, this but, is uh, not in a bad way busier. Just, it's no, just no, no. got more detail packed. It reminds me of very much of, you remember the Joe Kubert panels in those Watchmen books that came out right before he yeah. died? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that, that's really the style that sort of reminds me because it's yeah, packed, full of de- packed full of detail, all not really skimping on. Back backgrounds, but also like n- never too many lines. Like right, these, like every like, line's like, got a, a reason to be there. Sort of singular strokes that are in the perfect place. There's no there's no cross hatching. There is in certain places, I guess, but for the most part, like it's as simple as it as it can be. Well, like um, even the first page when Dar- Daredevil's putting his cane together, just, there's the click yeah. and there's the two hands, and that's it. And it's really. All you need, and plus it, it's, it does many things. That panel, it, there's a mystery there because you can't see his body, and but the most important thing is the sound. It's just there's a lot of things going on in very simple imagery. Yeah, so th- that's my first instinct. I really, mm-hmm. I'm at the point now where I, I just, I really enjoy these pages. I just, right. I, I look at them and look what he's doing, and it, it has never gotten old for me. I, I, I don't, I don't know. There's just something classic and modern all at the same time, and I, and I absolutely love it. Okay, that being said. Um, yes. I guess the big turn here is that for those listening at home, Daredevil went public, and in doing so, uh, he wore a suit, which <laughs> makes less sense physically than Daniel Craig's suit in Skyfall. Right. So he's so Daredevil or Matt Murdock shows up to court in a red three-piece suit with a black shirt, red yes. shoes, a Daredevil belt buckle, red gloves, pointy collar things. The pointy and- collar. The uh, pocket square and uh, and buzz cut, which I don't understand why he had to get the buzz cut, but so that you could have the shots in the beginning of the silhouette. Right, that's true. You're that's right. why I, I had the uh, same thing. I was like, oh, he got his hair cut, and also like if you're jumping around or whatever, you don't want them to grab your hair. That's one of sure. the reasons you put the the cowl on, I guess. So it was weird, a little weird. It I don't was. Know. I don't know. Here's the, I think this is one of those things, and I it was thought provoking, which I really like. Yes, it I, was. I couldn't decide what I liked, if I liked it or didn't like it. And I, I was, feel like the suit is completely out of character for Matt Murdock, like yeah. the style of the suit. Although yeah. he can't see color, so maybe he doesn't know. Doesn't know how how hard it is to look at. Yes, yeah, no, but at the, like at the same time, like I, like an, an, a younger version of me would have been like, oh, this is stupid. But the older version of me is like. Whatever, play with it for a while. It'll go back eventually. Right. Let's, let's see. Let's explore this road. I mean, I I only I have to think that as a writer, Mark Wade got there and was like, "Well, this is the choice that has been presented to my imagination, and my instincts have been pretty good so far. Let's see where it goes." The big, my biggest takeaway is so you know how in uh, English court they all have to wear the the wigs. Yeah. Right. I think, and this is my modest proposal for America. Is that all judges in America should wear uh, handlebar mustaches? <laughs> that puts a first of all that that puts a real strong gender bias on the judiciary system. Well, the women have to wear those wigs too. Yeah. Well, no, you but they, so you're saying it should be a it, fake handlebar mustache? Yeah. If you can't grow one, it's just an air of authority. 
You look like an old-timey Western judge. You're a trumped-up, berobed Sam Elliott, you son of a bitch. <laughs> exactly. It should all look like that. Um, but I just don't know, man. I I liked this issue. Yeah. For many of the reasons you just said, uh, it it feels very modern. Uh, I like that. I thought it was funny, the guy that everyone's constantly taking a selfie with, with him, and he's into it. Yeah. Like, he's really into his celebrity. And he seems to be sort of freed from this position. I also like that. <laughs> Foggy's stuck ghostwriting the book while Daredevil's out having fun. It's, it does make it does make perfect sense. I like that um, as a result of not having a costume, Somni is forced to draw his eyes, right. and he puts a lot of um, does a really good job at making him look blind. Um, the jacket is so impractical. No, everything about it is. It it totally is. Uh, the tie. How does the shirt stay tucked in? It, all of it does, but. I don't know, like, uh, you know, it, like if you ask me at the end of the day, what, what, is it a big comic book idea and is it bold? God, you're damn right it is. Mm-hmm. The stupidest thing in this issue, by the way, uh, <laughs> was he, he sniffs the whatever and he's like, chocolate in the soil. And he goes to Ghirardelli Square. Like, that's not really. <laughs> I they get it. That's the square's not made of chocolate? I, no, it is not. There's People eat chocolate everywhere. Uh, the, uh, the chocolate isn't in, embedded in the cobblestones? How does he know that it's not outside the Ghirardelli uh, store on Market, where the Sunday is $11? How about there? <laughs> I know, because I've had a couple. Because they're good. Okay? They're the delicious sun- Sundays. They're delicious Sundays. You don't feel bad about them. You're an adult on a business trip. You should have a Sunday. It's, I, it's, at some points, I need them. Um <laughs> Yeah. It was interesting. I just don't know what. To if make you were it. to put it on paper and ask me, would you like this? I would say that sounds horrible, and show me like the the concept drawings. But I kind of I got a kick out of the audacity of it, and that you know he's he's pretty out now. It's pretty hard to put him back in there. It's it's a bell. Well, I guess you could unring it with it's, the whole the whole uh, upcoming Secret Wars thing. I'll tell you something. It's not actually. I wonder if that's ah. So you can do whatever you want. That, up I wonder if that has the freedom to them to just go crazy. They have because, the freedom to do whatever they want, but well, I know. But now they can be really crazy because it's all going to be mm-hmm. mushed together at, in the two pizzas, like they keep saying yeah, uh, in, in a month or so. Well, that that could be it. Um, I wonder I, if that's it's, why. It's funny because I mean I, I don't know if this is a stretch or something, but it's not a bad allegory for the idea of coming out. Right. I mean, really, like he has been living in this closet forever he moves to san francisco dons a bright red suit <laughs> shoot. and 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 is just loving life after that well, maybe. like he's being his true self that's interesting um, i hadn't thought about that and i mean it's 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 pretty one-to-one it's it's in you know like how the the x-men were were you know compared to the civil rights movement or something like that um i don't know i don't i don't, I don't think it's far off from where it could be but it's, it's definitely a possibility are you still reading this next book yeah. Okay, The Autumn Lands, Tooth and Claw, number five. This is the book formerly called Tooth and Claw, mm-hmm. and will soon to be called just The Autumn Lands. If you, uh, <laughs> Thank God read, we're all able to deal with this because of the transitional time. If you, if you read one of his email, uh, they, they ran into a, uh, a, a copyright problem with yeah. Tooth and Claw. So. I, don't, I don't think in either case uh, the title is doing the book a huge service in one way or another. The Autumn Lands is a better title. I didn't yep. like to use the class title. Anyway, this is number five. I read all five issues this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? So you, you, you mainlined it? Yeah, I wanted to catch up. It was funny because for me, like, I, I, I was like, oh, right, this book. I feel like it's been a couple of months because I, I think I, you know, Ben Dewey can I, only do something I have so no fast. idea. But uh, I don't know what to make of this book. 
I I can see that, and I pretty much agree with it. Like it's interesting. It's so it's a bunch of anthropomorphic animals in a fantasy realm, and they had they're, they're losing their world with magic, but the magic is dying. And to get the magic back, they re- resurrected the great champion who had originally brought magic to the world. The great champion turned out to be human. And and when he first shows up, you think, oh, so this guy is the link to our world, but he's not really. It's a different world, right? Um, so it doesn't, he's got some crazy tech stuff going on. He's from a, like a future version of our world at the very least. Um, I like it. Yes. But I don't, I still haven't figured out my hook into it yet. I, I think that's very apt. I'd say that's about where I am with it too. I'm super impressed by the art the whole way through. He said like the music referred to it as painting it. Benjamin so, Dewey. Yeah. Um, Jordi Belair on colors. Interesting thing is I don't really know the gender of most of the characters. Me either. And they're always surprising when they are sort of like, oh. Yeah, and they, they, I feel like they're doing that on purpose, which is kind of interesting because you can just get into the character regardless of that. But they, they do have genders. So you just kind of can't see what it is, which I guess is sort of like when you're looking at animals. You, can't, you don't really know. True. Um, Unless you're an expert. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I, like the, I like the buffalo characters. Mm-hmm. Those like I like it. I tell you something. I enjoy it. There's just, nothing about this book that's half-assed. No, absolutely zero. Like it is fully rendered visually. It is. I feel. I have a feeling that wherever there is, a, if it's a physical Bible or a Bible in his head, like he knows this world. He's built it, and now you know he's focused on part of it. That that's the story he's telling us. Huh. Yeah, I'm just curious to see. At some point soon, there has to be some sort of thing that happens that really tells you what is going what's going on here. Yeah. I mean, in comic time, though, this is, that's the end of the first trade. So. so the next issue should be the one that tells you, really. Maybe. Because right now, we're just dealing with a society whose floating city crashed because of that magic, and they're well, just trying to survive. To stick with a, uh, to stick with a theme, I mean, they, they ran out of magic. They ran out of resources. They tapped, they tapped their source. Does that, you know, could that relate to our world? Absolutely. Are the people right. at the top uh, uh, you know, trying to ignore it and, and move on anyway? Yes, uh, you know, and, that, and that's where the sort of clash seems to be coming through with this. And like, use your head. No, we will do it the way we've always done it. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's not sustainable. Eh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're losing listeners left and right. Uh, no. Well, that's what's happening in this book, basically. Yeah, they it keep is. using the magic, even though they're like, we can't keep using magic because we're going to run out. And they're like, well, just this once. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to make a good sandwich. I'm gonna keep reading it. That's all. That's all I know. I, I really, yes. I, I enjoy it enough, and I, I'm impressed by it. But I think, I, I think I, I hasn't fully uh, hooked me in. I think you're right about that. The Black Hood number two from Archie Comics' Dark Circle uh, imprint. Did you read the, these two? I, I, I haven't caught up on these. I know that I have the second one now, um, and I, I was like, oh, good, I'll read that. And then I was like, oh, that's this week, and then I just didn't have time to do them both. So, uh, what I want to hear from you then. Um, did it take you up or down from the previous first issue, which you liked? I liked the first issue. Uh, I I liked this one as well, although it's really it, it's going. In, I think I liked it because it's not at all predictable. Mm-hmm. I don't. Basically, so what happened in the last issue was the cop got shot in the face with a shotgun. It's got his, his handsome face all mangled and uh, got hooked on pills. And r- r- reminder: this is an Archie comic. It hooked on pills and uh, at the end of the issue donned the black mask of the local vigilante and uh, went to punch a mugger. And uh, this issue continues on from there. The fight he has with the muggers is really brutal and bloody. And 
But what's interesting about this issue is it's not really about him being the Black Hood. It's more about him being uh, set up for because basically he's on a, he's got this pill addiction, and so he's got to get him any way he can, and so he starts doing it in illegal. <laughs> this is he goes and starts killing drug dealers and taking their pills, and uh, so then at the end of this issue he ends up getting framed for. Uh, he basically doesn't keep he doesn't keep the pills in his house, but some other cops frame him by planting a bunch of pills in his house. It's like this is a really, 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 really dark book, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, not at all what I was expecting, which is what I like about it the most. I think, you know, like he's he's black hood in the beginning when he beats up the muggers, and then he wears the hood when he no he doesn't wear his hood he wears the cop uniform actually, which is even worse when he goes to steal the drugs. But really, he's not really black hood for the rest of the issue, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's more about him. It sounds to me like this would be just as interesting to you if there was no Black Hood. Yeah, although I wonder if that becomes sort of his out, like a psychological mm-hmm. avatar or something. He also starts shooting some heroin at one point. Uh, we We've all it. been there. It's interesting, and it's dark. And uh, I'm pretty shocked that they're putting this out. But I think Archie's being very experimental. And uh, Why not? It's crazy. I mean, having an imprint allows them to do, in the same way that DC, the publisher of Superman and Batman, can do Preacher. Right. Uh, Archie can do Black, Black yeah. uh, Dark have, Circle. They haven't done Preacher in a long time. <laughs> it's a Dark Circle. Covers by Francisco Francovia. It's a good cover. Uh, you can always count on that guy. Yeah. So, are you still reading The Wicked and the Divine in it's, it's issues? Not, it's not number 93, as it says in the script. It's number nine. Um, nine. You hit a three somewhere. Uh, That's three not my fault. Point. Uh, I have all nine issues on my desk. <laughs> I have a couple of those stacks. I have that that Eric Stevenson book. I'm like, what hey, happened was at this. some point we were on break and didn't read it, and then the next one came out and didn't read it, and then it just I haven't read any of them since. The They're first not two. super long, so I, I know that that's the thing is that it's very sparse and I could catch up. I just didn't have time to read nine books. Mm-hmm. No, um, I, I understand. I, that. I read the first two, but I couldn't really tell you what happened in them other than I remember it was gods and there was a rock star and there was a murder and there was a trial but I don't remember much beyond that all right that'll make this conversation short (laughs) 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 it's a boring conversation anyhow um okay so basically you've got this pantheon of gods and they are they are they appear uh, through young people uh every every couple and they die after two years Right, um, and they exist in this society as a form of celebrity, um, almost like the sort of celebrities that exist without really having a discernible talent. Although right. some of them seem to be musicians or something like that, but some of them are just famous for being famous. So the Kardashians, um, and there's a girl, and, and she gets involved with some of them, and and you know s- starts to get sucked into the world, and and she's really enjoying it. And then there's a reporter who is. I'm trying not to give it away because this is actually – what was really good about this issue is that there was a big reveal in it about mm-hmm. one of the characters who has been in it all along and she is revealed to be something else than we or she thought she was. Mm. And it was super interesting. This has been, I would say, the most engaging of these issues for me. I like. Well, then I'm the going to catch up for sure. Uh-huh. Um, and then and then someone says clever girl, which I like. <laughs> you know, it's a it's it's subtle, but that's a it's a it's a good uh, watchword. Um 
yeah, uh, like basically the the fortunes are reversed of these two characters, and the one who is really up goes way down. The one who was sort of searching around dra- dragon, seeming like go, uh, she wasn't gonna be able to break through, uh, goes way up. And and there's it's one of those books where you don't you don't quite know who the gods are because they're very mysterious. You don't know their allegiances or their alignments, and they don't really have any that we can understand. Which is, I guess, I, I assume has to be completely intentional. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes that can be annoying, but in this, it, it's it's pretty well done. Um, and I feel like we got to understand the structure of all of these characters at this point. Now, this is nine issues in. So if you're really confused before then, I get that too. Sure. Um, I liked this issue a lot. It's been, this is like them coming back after one of those little hiatuses that they build into these creator-owned books because uh, it, it takes a lot to do them. Cool. Well, I'm definitely going to check read them. They're on my nightstand. You read that other book first, though. The, the book, the books, the series that we're oh, reading. Right. Yes, yes, yes. I'll do, read that. Do those first. Okay. Was that a so, teaser? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this episode is brought to you by Scribd. Scribd is like Netflix for comics. With a subscription, you'll get access to more than 10,000 comics from Marvel, IDW, Top Shelf, Valiant, Dynamite, Archie, and more. They're the only subscription service that gives you the variety, all, all that variety, all for one monthly price. On top of that, you also get unlimited access to their huge library of ebooks and audiobooks, more than one million titles all together, all available available anytime, anywhere. Head over to scribd.com slash ifanboy to get started with a free month trial. Even more importantly, Scribd makes sure you can find your way to comics and books you're going to love. They've got hundreds of collections curated by the team of editors, and as you read, they'll tailor recommendations for you based on other titles you've loved or not loved. Go to scribd.com slash ifanboy right now. They'll switch up the free month to get started. That's 30 days of unlimited reading. You'll be supporting this show, so it's a win-win situation for everybody. That's S-C-R-I-B-D dot com slash iFanboy. I gotta get I got I gotta get me signed up for one of them trials. That's what I I'm gonna do. Every, everyone loves uh people unlimited read stuffs or watch stuff, so there yeah. you go. Um <laughs> I just I am going backwards. I'm looking at the Autumn Lands uh cover. Yeah. Or do you have that in front of you? I do, yes. <laughs> it's the weirdest cover I've ever seen in my life. It's a lot like a cover. Uh, in the sort of graphic sense, it's like a squirrel deep in thought, yeah, a true. suspicious owl, and then a lizard sort of pointing something out. They're just sort of sitting there. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not they, what you would think of as a cover. Yeah, are they looking at like a an illusion of the city they're living yeah, in? Yeah. And the, why is the owl so suspicious? Because if you look on the back cover, it, he sees the other people there. It's oh, the I other see. Faction. Uh, we've got to have order once more and proper leadership. Josh. You've got the you've got the lesbian uh, warthog giraffe couple. So he's right. he or she is suspicious of that. There's a, <laughs> there's a turtle over there and it looks like a gazelle yeah. and a fox. It is such a strange cover. Yeah, what is that squirrel thinking? <laughs> How did anyway. I get in this group? So this uh, week we had Gotham Academy number six and Gotham by Midnight number six. Both of those uh, new part of that new wave of uh, Batman related books. And so it took us six issues, but we finally got Batman in them. Because you know you couldn't wait for long. You had to get him in before the trade f- finished to uh, make sure people know there would be some Batman appearances. So they both happened this <laughs> you week. got justify putting him on the cover because he's going to be on the cover. Right. I mean, he showed up at the end as a cliffhanger for one of them. But this was really the first issue for both of them. And they were both very, very brief appearances. Although uh, the Gotham by Midnight one was much funnier. Uh, I, I guess the other one wasn't meant to be funny. But in the, in the Gotham by Midnight story... Uh, Jim Corrigan is one of the co- this is that's a the comic about the a rogue group of co- well not rogue but a special force of cops within the Gotham Police Department that investigates supernatural crimes and one of them's a nun and one of them is Jim Corrigan who's of course the Spectre and so in this in this issue he's full spectered out fighting this uh, personification of uh, 
I forgot what it is. Some 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 emotion in Gotham City, you know, that kind of that kind of demon. And Batman comes flying in to investigate in his Batwing, <laughs> and he uh, he shoots the demon monster with some you know rockets, and it blows up for a second, but reforms and spits all these uh, flowers that are on that have been out throughout the series so far onto the hull of the <laughs> the Batwing, which makes it crash. And see, so that's all he he flies in, shoots a thing. It's completely ineffectual, and then you see him sort of bouncing off into the distance, like he bouncing against buildings, and you never really see him again until the very end. Mm. It just made me laugh because it was like the hero moment, like here he comes to save the day. Oh, completely ineffectual. <laughs> and then uh, in Gotham Academy, he shows up to fight Killer Croc, who's been living underneath the Gotham Academy. And then at the end of this issue, we find out that Damien is enrolling in the Academy, which means I'm jumping off the book. Mm-hmm. So now that's my rule. No more Damien. Really? Just only yeah. if Grant Morrison writes it? I just don't. I just think the characters ruined Batman, and I just I I don't want to see him ever again, if possible. Mm-hmm. So no more Gotham Academy for me. Okay, fair mm-hmm. enough. Fair enough. Like I, you know, I'm not I'm not going to fight you on that. Um, uh, Rumble number four. Rumble is the John Arcudi, James Heron, uh, Dave Stewart. Should also mention him. Uh, original series. Um, and I I didn't know what to make of this for a little while. Uh, for the first few issues um and here in this fourth other than i don't know why james heron is not a magnificent superstar mm-hmm. I, I literally don't he is I, I saw somebody the other day he was phil hester phil hester uh, tweets really great tweets about the comics industry he's got because he's, he's he's a little older than a lot of, he's got a great perspective on it but he said something along the lines of there are a handful of people in comics that he's comics is really good at finding talent, but there is a handful of people who should be superstars and they're not, and he can't figure it out. And I think James Heron is one of those people like, well, it just depends on what books they draw. Yeah, really totally. And, and that's to. a, that's a matter of choice, obviously, but yeah. Christ Heron, Heron is, has, has got it, whatever it is. Um, you know, he's been doing BBRD stuff for a while and, and, you know, sort of in the dark horse world and maybe that stops him from being seen, but yeah, it's almost uh, anyway. impossible to be a superstar and not draw, draw from Marvel DC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can happen though. And this book, um, I, this was the this is the issue that clicked with me, and I was like, I, I'm really enjoying this now. I, I know they've explained everything. I know who everyone is. I know the stakes, and I'm starting to enjoy the interactions between these characters. And honestly, I didn't even want to bother explaining it um, because it's it what, well. What's the general setup? Is it about wrestling? A guy in a bar uh, is doing great, and then all of a sudden, some creature comes in, cuts off the arm of the guy who was sitting at the bar, and the a, a man made of straw with a hooded face and a big sword. See? A big sword fights off the bad guys and then tries to get him to help him. Um, but he doesn't really want to get involved with all of it. And then you find out the backstory of the dude with the big sword and this whole world underneath the world that we're looking at. Um, it's uh, it's very strange. The other day I tried to explain Preacher to somebody. <laughs> And I was, I was, I was, and then I was like, and then his best friend is an Irish vamp. Oh God, <laughs> I couldn't do it. And this is what that feels like. Yeah. Um, you know, there's an annoying friend, uh, sort of brings the comedy relief who talks too much. And he's always trying to talk to the, the straw man with a giant sword and it doesn't make sense. It's, like, it's not, it's hard to explain. It looks as good as anything on the, on the, you've got, you've got James Heron and Dave Stewart, um, you know, and, and, and Arcudi is, is solid grounded. Like there was, even when I didn't know what was going on, I said, I'm going to hang on cause they're going to, they're going to have this explained and they totally have. Um, and it's, I don't know if this is a mini or not, but I, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been enjoying it more with each issue. So uh. hit 1957. Number one is a boom studios book. 
and it's a sequel to Hit. Uh, 1955, I believe, was the first miniseries. I didn't read it, but I thought I would check out this one because it's a crime comic, and I like crime comics. This is a four-issue miniseries written by Bryce Carlson with art by Vanessa R. Del Rey, and it, uh, it takes place in Los Angeles in 1957 during that time period, time period which the, the, the cops were all driving the mob out of L.A. with very violent means. There was a movie about it a couple of years ago that was not very good, but it did happen in real life. And uh, it, it feels, first of all, the art from Vanessa Del Rey, is, R. Del Rey, is amazing. It was very moody, uh, very noir, uh, very, a lot of shadow, very shadow heavy, and really, really great for a crime, crime book. Um, also some contextual sound effects, which I know you like, Josh. I do. Uh, but uh, it was, this was a tough read because it was very much a sequel. So there's a lot of ca- characters who aren't really explained. Uh, there's a girl who's kidnapped and taken to Las Vegas. I assume she's from the first series because you don't really know much about her. Um, but really the main story is that these cops who are doing their violent, dirty business to run the mob out of L.A. in the course of that accidentally shoot and kill a young boy. And so that, that's sort of the main uh, story here, which is the, how the different cops react to that. One cop is not handling it very well. Another cop is so sort of... Uh, inured to the violence at this point that doesn't really care and this causes conflict between the team and I'm, I liked it enough that I'm definitely going to go back and read the first one before I read the next issue of this because I, I want to know who all these people are but uh, I, I like this era I like the genre I like LA in the 50s I like this post-war uh, time in which you know LA became one of the only real modern cities in America without a major mob problem because the cops turned into criminals to get them out I think that's a really interesting story. Um, so I'm going to go back and check out that first miniseries before I hit up the second issue, uh, which is not meant to be a pun, but was. Um, but hit if you like crime books, I would check out the the hit stuff. Yeah, I saw this on the script, and I was like, "What is that?" And I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" Like, yeah, I, that's the, what, the title alone was enough for me. I was like, "Ooh, I like that title." Yeah, I mean, I I don't even know how. I think I saw it in a in a press email they sent us, and I was like, "A crime book." And then I saw when I had gotten like comic book resources, it was like the top, it was like the first previewed book on that on the right side. So I looked, clicked up, clicked on it and liked the art. So I so I checked it out. Okay, um, Invincible number one hundred and eighteen, which is uh, crazy, came out this week. I have to touch on that. Uh, I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what happens in this. That's fine. Um, this By the is time a, I get to the trade, I won't remember. Right. Well, that that it, it because it, it's important because this is a twenty five cent issue. Oh wow, that's that's kind of money we're talking about with Kirkman now. I'll just give it away. Um, <laughs> so apparently, I guess this was this is a a thing that was designed to, or it's free actually on um, Comicsology, uh, I believe. So, uh, <laughs> so this is apparently a jumping on point, um, mm-hmm. and the idea is that back on Earth. Um, Robot took over, and Mark tried to fight it, and then he, he came to a, a crisis of, of personal conscience and, and was like, I'm just going to leave. I can't, I, don't, I can't let him do this, but I, I, I don't know that it's right to stop him, so I'm just going to go. So he takes his wife and his new baby to go live in Talascria, which is the sort of center of the alien homeworld where Alan the alien is the, is the supreme leader of everything, right? Mm-hmm. You, you with me so far? Yes. So this is the bold new, I guess, the jumping on point. Um, so they get there. Uh, with their baby and um, move into their new apartment and uh, they put the baby to bed and they start to uh, she starts to be kissy on him and he and he freaks out and jumps away and she's like we have to talk about this but at that point the doorbell rings and Oliver uh, the brother mm-hmm. uh, shows up 
um, with his girlfriend, who is a disgusting, gigantic bug person, because right. that's what he is, and that's your little thing. Uh, they eat a bunch of alien food. Mark poops. There's a two-page sequence of Mark pooping the alien food in this 25-cent jumping-on point issue. Then, okay. as we go, she... Nope, I'm sorry. Four pages. There's four pages on the poop. Okay. Then she tries to get romantic with him, and I don't know about those of you out there in couples, but usually after you've spent four pages or whatever the life equivalent <laughs> of this, is, pooping and talking, very very people make very few people make like like okay, let's get to this now, right? Um, but whatever. Um, so he, he she starts to kiss him, and then he flips out and pushes her away, and he's like, "I've been raped," because he was a while that's right. back. That's right. That's right. And that's the rest of the issue is dealing with that. Well, it's a good jumping on point. Sounds like it's, it's, it was. Uh, it's it's totally interesting and 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 uh, dramatically viable. But I thought it was a really strange choice. Uh, there's no superhero action going on in that one. And and it, what occurred to me was that we are at the point with Invincible now. I think he said he's been on eleven years or something like that, which is terrifying. Which makes sense for the numbering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and. Uh, like this is now at the point like if you had jumped on a, a Marvel book in the eighties that had been around for for ten or more years like you just mm-hmm. have to go with it right because you know, you're not it's going to be really hard for a lot of people to go back and read Invincible from the beginning and you just have to but what a what a that was unusual <laughs> <laughs> it was very unusual but it was well, this, no, do you think it was successful as a jumping on point I I guess but to a completely different audience than would have been previously. If you read Invincible 118 because it was 25 cents or because it was free on Comixology and you'd never read the book before, please shoot us an email or, or mention it in the comments. I would really, really love to know what a brand new reader to that book thought of the issue. So if you're one of those people, let us know. And if you haven't read Invincible ever, but you've heard us talk about it and uh, you were, you, maybe you want to do an experiment and read it for us and tell us what you thought. Yeah, that would be, that would be something. It only, only costs you a quarter to try. Or nothing. Or nothing. So let us know. Um, are you? And I know. Uh, where Where are you at with Darth Vader? I'm at such an existential crisis about all these these books, <laughs> and I I really don't feel bad about it. Like I, I don't know, think everyone any... everyone has their thing, and this is my thing, mm-hmm. and this is probably the one I have the least problems with. Of it's all the best the, of all the titles. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna come back to Star Wars when they add on Stuart Eminem because it's really hard to pass up Stuart Eminem. But we'll see. But uh, this one, yeah, I read it. It was good. It was different than the other ones, wasn't it? What do you mean? Other issues of this book or the yes, other series? Yes, the other, the other issues of this book. Yes. They introduced this girl, this plucky, young, feisty girl, virtually indistinguishable from Anya Solo in the other book. Uh, oh, right. Dark yeah, Horse. Yeah. Very, I was yeah. like, is this... Is this one of the solo daughter? No, she's like this this hacker girl who's on the cover, and uh, there's she a couple ha- of she uh, hacks old droids. Yeah, there's a couple of ki- killer droids. There's an R two D two and C three PO equivalent killer, and and uh, they're assassin saying? droids. I'm a <laughs> I'm a protocol droid specialized in etiquette, customs, translations, and torture, ma'am. <laughs> he has red glowing eyes, and it's a super cheesy idea, but I liked it. It made me laugh. Well, yeah, and the R2 is even worse. The R2 yeah, unit the was, even, war machine. was even more uh, dangerous. Yeah. Uh, specialized assassin droid. It's entirely homicidal. So, all that being said, like, she seemed incredibly the- out of place in this with Darth Vader. But because of that, watching what is pretty much a straight performance of Darth Vader, I'd say an on-book characterization. Right. Uh, I find it really interesting. 
I, I, you know, I can, and I can totally. I guess this is this is canon, but I can totally. I don't give look, a fuck. I know. I can totally look at this as as, as interesting fan fiction too, and I pretty much have to in order to survive these these well, titles. Yeah, no, I have to. Connor, this happened. The thing, the thing about them saying that is it doesn't matter because ultimately the only thing that matters is what's in the films because no, the filmmakers you, can change whatever they want. No, and you said that too, but you know that could be the same thing about the movies or whatever. Um, yeah, so that <laughs> I give it to uh, it was interesting, uh, and and was, and, yeah. and Salvador Larroca, who I was not excited about, I think he's doing a, a fine job with this. Well, he's really good with non-human faces. faces. Mm-hmm. And so he's talking, you're talking about Darth Vader and a bunch of droids for the most part. So he's really strong with technology. She's okay. The art, the, um, art on her. I think yeah. possibly the coloring is not doing him a, a service. It looks, her, her skin tone looks a little f- fake, mm-hmm. but, uh, which is weird to say. It just looks like this. It's always got this strength, the same lighting effect on it. Yeah, I don't like it. The sort of fuzzy Photoshop yeah. thing about her eyes and her nose and cheeks and stuff. It doesn't look But But uh, he's great with the droids and the technology and Darth Vader. So that. He works really well for the book, mm-hmm. um, but this is the best. Right. I mean, this is quite easily the best of the three. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, you, you can't. I can't. I can't say it isn't. I don't know that it fits, but I, I keep reading it. I look forward to. I'm like, ooh, a Darth Vader issue, which I, w- I wouldn't have guessed. So, yeah, there we are. There you uh, go. If I can't think of a, a subject, a, a, an example, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug our fanboy.com slash Amazon so you can go buy things. Sure. If you buy those things through that link, then a portion of those uh, purchases will go to the uh, support and upkeep uh, of ifanboy.com and the program you were listening to this very instant. A uh, very easy uh, thing that you can do that does not affect you in any way but is very helpful to us. So use that for your internet purchases uh, if you would be so kind. Uh, you can also be a little more direct if you would like to donate to the show at ifanboy.com slash registration. You can sign up for a regular donation of $3 a month or 30 bucks a year if this show is important to you. And I would like to think it is. I think I, I, I think a lot of people, you know, that, I, don't, I think that's very fair. I would do that for shows. I am doing that for shows like this. Um, so you can do that or any any donation that you want. And again, uh, we are always humbled and grateful uh, that people would choose to do that and that, and that we are able to do something that makes people uh, feel so strongly. So thank you for that. We also accept any donations from crazy billionaires of any, any, any size. It only takes one. It only takes one time. Yep. Although, now, <laughs> if there's more than one, I'm not saying, listen, Paul Allen already showed up. I don't Whoa, hold on there, buddy. Daddy yeah. wants a supercar. <laughs> I see a lot of Teslas on the road. I'm just saying it's getting really difficult. Yeah. So this first email question, Josh, is very apt for us, I think. Okay. It's from Oliver from Wire City, Baltimore, he says. And his question is, a question about trade waiting and memory. Do you ever find yourself getting the newest volume of a series and find that you need to refresh it before reading it and having to go back and read the previous volumes? For example, by the time I purchased Brubaker and Phillips' Fatal Volume 4, I had trouble recalling exactly what had occurred in previous volumes. My solution to this was to go back and read volumes one to three over again. Not that a reread can't be enjoyable, but it can be time-consuming. I, I, I find this happens most often with non-Marvel and DC books. This is something you gentlemen can speak to. Bonus question for Josh. Huh? Do you ever find yourself getting lit from the wife because you, can't, you can recall exactly what happened in an issue of any comic from 15 years ago but can't remember to pick up milk and eggs at the store for the kids because, boy, I sure get it from mine. Ill did he give you a lip again, Josh? Uh... <laughs> I put her in her place. Um, which wouldn't you? Which? Where, how would you like to go about this first? You want to deal with uh, that part? You want to knock the bonus one question out first? Yeah, 
I don't know. It's not a thing. I don't remember what happens in comics. I don't know if you've listened to the show before. <laughs> yeah. I never know what's happening. But uh, she also wouldn't know that you know if you did know. Also, I do all of the cooking. Um, yeah. Of the foods for the most part, so that's not a thing. I do totally forget to pick up things. If you give me a list of five things, I will pick up four of them. But that is consistent across all of my life. Pretty used to it at this point. I am the kind of person I will put the milk in the cabinet or that like that kind of thing because I start thinking about something else. Um, but I don't remember anything anymore. It's gone. Um, so, but this is a very. I, I I agree with Oliver's assessment here. I I have this problem with like Walking Dead and Invincible and Profit things books I'm reading in trade. It's it's. I don't. I mean, I know I know why they don't put a recap page because then you're forced to either reread or to buy more volumes you know like what happened before well go buy the other one and you'll know Mm -hmm. but it'd be very easily solved by a recap page and especially for trades i mean i marvel does them in the issues and it's great and i know dc says they don't want to do that because they want you to they want you to go buy them but uh i i don't know why in trades they don't just put one page of here's where we are here's what's happened Uh i would think it would encourage more people to jump on to things yeah I, I here's the thing i mean my, my answer to this is i don't trade weight really mm-hmm. um i can't because i won't i won't keep reading them i i know how i work and if i have to look and say oh I, when that book comes out i gotta find an hour an hour and a half to read all the way through i won't do it so i actually read everything in issues i don't switch over i i get the thing because i know that if they're just little chunks of the time i can keep up with it but as soon as and you know connor you said this about about um uh, Wicked and the Divine, like you missed one and then you just piled them up and and then uh, then that gets big and then when it's big, like I don't do it. I have, um, I've been reading um, Boxers and Saints by Gene Yang. You you guys yep. told me to get that and I, I yeah. take those recommendations seriously and I did, you know, but it took me, you know, I think I got that for Christmas. I just finished the first book. Um, right. And so if I trade weight, I mean, I, I, it's not even if I did. There's a few. There's a, I have a stack of trades that is two years old. We used to do a feature, you know, like what's your stack? I don't read that stuff. I, I mean, I do eventually in some way. But it takes me forever, so it's much easier for me on stuff that I. If I'm gonna read it, I'm just gonna read the issues because I, I can get them. It's easy enough. Um, so I guess that's the case. And then, and then if I do someday go and read a whole series, uh, like I, which I just did. I just read an entire series. Um, I do it all at once. I just. Yeah fly through it and and that that usually takes something really special because it has to make you want to f- keep flipping those pages and go to the next one um that's how i do trades uh which i, yeah. I think is different I, like, it, I, take, it takes me about an issue in the trade to, to really remember what everything's yeah. what's going on which well, is like tough. it takes you about five pages in an issue to know what that's happened true. last issue that's too true. so um, it is a problem i don't I, if i was in charge i would put recap pages but i'm sure there's a there's business reason why they don't do it yeah yeah so there you go next one uh, Bill from Cranford, New Jersey. Uh, yeah, Cranford. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have anything. I, in my head, I sounded like Tony Soprano. Uh, what is a comic book movie that most comic book fans think is a horrible movie, but you enjoy it as a guilty pleasure? Asterisk from me. A couple of my guilty pleasures are Judge Dredd with Stallone, A League of Extraordinary Channel. <laughs> I know they don't necessarily reflect your source material accurately, uh, but I enjoy them anyway as good, stupid fun. FYI, James Robinson wrote the screenplay for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I know that. Yes. I said that. Not him. Um, Connor? 
Well, well, we, that your asterisk is going to be my asterisk because we don't believe in guilty pleasures. I, I, do, I do not believe in guilty pleasures as a thing. You like something, you don't. I don't like something because it's bad because bad is bad. But you can like something that other people think is bad. Um, I don't know that this counts. Um, I, I, I'd have a hard time thinking of a comic book one right now, and I, and I will think about it as, we, as, as Connor talks. But uh, I, I'm going to say that Reign of Fire is a really good example it's of this. It's not a bad movie. I know it isn't. I know it isn't. Oh, hold on. Because I don't think that I like movies that are bad. Right. I, I just don't. It's not a thing. I either like a movie or I don't. If I do, it's good, at least to me. And usually there's something objective about that. But let's say that we know a person who worked on Rain of Fire, and that person thinks it's a piece of shit. <laughs> and there are a lot of people out there who would look at the basics of that and go, that thing's a piece of shit. It's not. That's about as close as I can come because usually if there's something I like, it's because I objectively think that there's something really enjoyable about it. And it, with comic book movies, it's interesting because it used to be we took what we got. Right. And you tried to enjoy that for what it is. But now we suffer from such, I don't even want to say an embarrassment of riches. There are so many comic book movies that you literally can pick and choose the ones that you like, just like you do on your comic book shelf. You don't have to watch all of them. There's still like some weird thing where people think they have to watch every comic book movie, but you don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I, I can't think of one that I that people think is bad or that I think is bad that I watch. I don't do that. <laughs> Most of the movies that people think are bad, I also think are bad. I'm looking through a list here on Wikipedia of all the comic book movies. I mean, the Schumacher Batman movies. Don't enjoy those. No, I walked out. Uh. I, the reverse would be true. I don't like the Blade movies. People seem to like those. I like the, I like the Blade movies. Oh, I got one for us, Josh. Huh? We both like the Constantine movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not like I'm going to go back and see it or buy it again. No, but, but we both enjoyed it, and most people, most people would tell you it's terrible. Yeah. So there, there's one of them. Yeah. Uh, Whereas, like, the, the Catwoman movie Daredevil. just was. Uh, there's not most of the ones that are bad are bad. Like the Ghost Rider movies are terrible. Green Lantern's bad. Hell, Hellboy. We like the Hellboy movies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not Jonah X, for sure. Yeah, I think the only one that really fits in that category would be... You know what? We liked, we liked The Losers a lot. Um, yes. And it was... I actually... This is vaguely... I watched the, uh, watched the A-Team recently. Oh, man. People hate that movie, but I was like, why do people so hate this movie? Good. This movie's great. This, this movie's, movie's so good. It's ridiculous. It's like, uh, it's like The Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious yeah. is a really good example of actually what we're talking about because they're not good in the sense of what you would think of as good, but they're immensely enjoyable. But Which that, makes it good, right? Well, but but at the same time, like society is actually not decided that they're bad. They're very successful because of it. But like on the surface, a person like me who is a complete and utter snob would go that that's that's terrible. Well, there uh, is, depends on what your definition of good and how you're just how you're judging good, right? Yeah. Is good uh, objective objective film things like uh, screenplay and uh-huh. acting and cinematography, or is good enjoyability? And, it's, and I think the answer to that is different from not only person to person, but film to film, mm-hmm. right? So I love I, I I in fact I just lent a team to somebody. They just gave it back to me, and I squealed because I meant I could watch it again. Yeah, I think uh, I think over time though. A lot of the things that I liked because I didn't think it was going to be something that it was unique or different. Like I liked 300 the first time I saw it, and and now I, I don't. Have I don't you watched like it since? I've seen the I've seen it when I tried to watch the sequel, which is just horrible. I well, hate the sequels. I know, but like I hate the way they look. Mm-hmm. I hate the way that 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 goes. Uh, you know. A lot of movies, like The Crow, everybody thought was, was, you know, was a whole thing back then. But now, you know, not, you know what? I liked Daredevil when I first saw it. Yeah, so did I. Uh, I thought it was way better than, than I thought it was going to be. And nobody seems to have enjoyed that at all. 
Well, I, I watched it again when it came out in the DVD, and I mm-hmm. could not believe I liked it in the first place. I think that's when I, Daredevil came out. It was sort of during that period of time where we were surprised these movies were happening, mm-hmm. and so we were just happy to see them. And now it's just like, oh, this is a really, 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 really bad movie. Yeah, uh, you know, there's some that the, I don't. I, I've been <laughs> the ones that are bad are bad. I was <laughs> like, like the Wolverine, the fir- the Wolverine, Oops. the first one, or no, not the Wolverine, um, the one before that. I don't remember what right. they're called. Uh, Jonah Hex. Remember you and I went to see... G- we, went, we went and saw all the really bad ones together. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. sort of mid-2000s where they were like, let's make everything. So we saw Jonah Hex and the Punisher War Zone. Uh, <sighs> oh. The, uh, the uh, Luma Fate uh, Wanted. Question. Question. Have you seen comic book villains? I did. Yeah, I watched it one day on Netflix. Or I got so it. Comic book villains, for people who don't know, because this guy... Cause, uh, this guy, he's got a name. It's Bill. I was just, the script was on a different page. He uh, mentioned James Robinson. Comic Book Villains was a film that James Robinson wrote and directed in 2002. Yeah. And uh, it was, it started Donald Logue, Carrie Elways, Michael great, Rappaport. Great cast. Uh, DJ Qualls, Danny Masterson. But uh, not a good movie. Not a good movie. <laughs> not a good movie. And it was like a huge middle finger to the comics industry at the time. Yeah. yeah. Like, I remember watching it. I think, I think Ron, Ron and I watched it together. I got one for you. You like the spirit. Yes, I do. There you go. I, I, was, I was clawing at my seat in the theater. I went to see it by myself, and I was like, I, please let me leave. I want to <laughs> leave badly. I think most of the time, though, a lot of the comic book movies that are bad aren't abysmally bad. They're just boring. Like, if I think about movies that I just didn't like, it's just I just didn't care. Oh, I really love Superman 3 with Richard Pryor. No one else likes it. <laughs> it's, like, it's, one, it's my favorite one after the first one. Uh, Superman 2, I think, was my favorite, but that's because I had supervillains. Have you watched it since? It's bad. It's a really bad movie. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's, it's one of those things, like, I just did, when you hear this, um, I'm going to be on the Star Wars Minute this week coming up, and I have, I have the Ewoks. I have the, first, I have the when the Ewoks show up. Nope, and, nope. and my point is... Everybody seems to hate the Ewoks now, which was a huge surprise to me because I was uh, I was uh, six when that came out. Yeah, I love the Ewoks. Right, and I never it, it never occurred to me until like after Jar Jar came out that people were like, "Yeah, well, the Ewoks were bad too." And I was like, "What? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's fighting words, bud." I know. You remember that there was a Whiteout movie? I completely forgot. Yeah, we, we saw, I saw that by myself in the, literally by myself in the theater because yeah. no one else was yeah. in the theater. Um, There's so many yeah. movies. So many movies, Bill. But Bill, don't have a guilty pleasure. Don't feel bad about anything you like. There's a really wonderful essay um, by Chuck Klosterman, if you want to look for it somewhere. It was in Esquire about the idea of guilty pleasures. And he uses the movie Roadhouse as an example. And he says there's no there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure movie. People say that Roadhouse is is a guilty pleasure movie, but it's not. It's an amazing movie because it's about a philosopher-poet-bouncer. (laughs) <laughs> and he has to <laughs> he fights off all of these people in like the strip club that he works in or the i guess it's like a you know like a, a honky roadhouse tonk. yeah yeah um and i was like and i read that and i was like you're right like either a thing a thing is good either objectively or just to you there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure yep uh if you like Katy perry dance your ass off dog exactly so email us at contact.ifanboy.com or call our voice my line at 88fanboy3262697. Tell us who you are, where you're from. Keep it around 30 seconds. And that's how you get in on the show action, Josh, right? That's how you get to be part of the show is uh, to call and leave a voicemail or write us an email. Yes. Quick, couple quick, quick plugs. This next weekend is WonderCon, right? That's next weekend? That is next weekend, yes. 
And uh, we, as we announced last week, Josh and I will be there reuniting with Ron, our original co-host and co-founder of iFanboy, to host the Spotlight and Darwin Cook panel, room 213, Sunday the 5th at 1230. We will uh, be there leading the discussion with Darwin about his career, his new book, and anything, basically, he said we want to talk about. We're going to try to record it and uh, put it out as a video podcast if it all goes to plan. Um, so if you can't make it, you'll still be able to check it out. But if you are going to be there, we'd appreciate everyone stopping by uh, and, and, and enjoying the fun. And as you watch Josh, Ron, and I be in a room together for the first time in forever, which will be, which will be what fun. Has, what, is, what, what has that guy been up to? I have not heard from him. I don't know. He's something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Darwin will be there. He's been offering new, new books to people. Or Dar, as we call him. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> next week is the Daredevil debut on Netflix, uh, April 10th. I guess two weeks. The, the week of... And WonderCon after a week, week after, uh, we'll be doing a show on that at some point. Not not that not first that weekend, weekend, obviously, because there's there's twelve episodes or how many episodes, and we got to watch them all. And, that, is uh, that is that the plan? You want to do all of them before? Yeah, I just do them all in one chunk. Okay, I will. I'm gonna. Tr- I want to try to do that. We'll discuss logistics off the show because well, you know what? Let's you know what are you? Let's doing just do it now. Let's just open it all you, up now. Let's what are you doing Tuesday? Everything. Like is nine good or? <laughs> Well, the real question is, when are you going to watch them? When I can. I'm, on, exactly. I'm, I'm so out we'll of town for a little while, so it'll be a little while, but, you know. We, we don't, we don't, we don't want to wait too long, but we're going to try to figure out as close as possible we can to that weekend, but it's obviously, we just can't watch them all and then do a podcast that weekend. These people who can just watch TV for 12 hours straight. Well, I'm going to be able to do that. I just That's what I mean. When I say these people, together. I mean you Oh. And, okay. and how I resent you. So there you go. So WonderCon this weekend, uh, Daredevil next weekend. Those, those are two things to look forward to. And also, Josh, you're on the Star Wars Minute. That's true. I think. I think that it's this week coming up. I could be wrong. And if so, what are you going to do? So look for that. If you're a follower of that show, he's, you'll be on at some point. How many yeah. episodes? Uh, five. Monday, five. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay. That's a lot of Josh. I was the only person who requested Ewoks. Everyone else was of- like, give me Jabba's Palace. Which is, which is, by the way, it's saying a lot because I felt somebody had to say something good because if I'm being honest, Wedge Antilles' big star moment is at the end of that movie, and I didn't go for that. So, uh, was it when he gets his hair tousled? Is that the one? Well, it's just that I don't, feel like, I don't feel like Wedge needs any defending. Oh, you mean when he blows up the Death Star? Yes, yes. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, if, at this point, if you're not going to give Wedge Antilles' Hero of the Rebellion his due, to hell with you. I, I did say that like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know if you caught that. Head over to fanboy.com and comment on this show. Talk about this week's books. You can talk about the books we talked about, the books we didn't talk about. Anything you want over at fanboy.com. Fuck you, Cohagen. That's where you can find all of our other podcasts as well. Uh, they'll all be there. And that's where you'll find the Daredevil podcast, all of our special edition shows. And when we put the uh, WonderCon show out in whatever form we do put it out, that'll be at fanboy.com as well. Uh, and you can follow all the action at facebook.com slash fanboy and at fanboy on Twitter. And that's where you find out what the pick of the week is before the show. And you can also follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan at C.S. Kilpatrick. And I continue to be the guy who asks you to do things. And therefore, uh, if you like this show um, and you have not done so already, if you would like to go to iTunes and write a review, there used to be lots of places to do reviews and, and recommendations. They're all gone. There's only iTunes now. We are all iTunes You must now. go there. Uh, and 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 say say preferably kind words, but I'm not here to editorialize that. Do it do it you do what you feel. Um, that is uh, super helpful to us. Or um, it, it just want to share 
the links, let people know about the show. If you liked an episode, uh, you know, spread the word. That is, uh, that is also, that's the most we can ask. Uh, and there are many channels for you to do that now. Uh, and Facebook charges you for impressions, so we need you to do it for us. Because <laughs> they changed that. Jerks. So, yeah, exactly. Well, that is it for this week's show. Uh, okay, good. Next, next time uh, we'll be talking to you from WonderCon if you're there. So until then, I'm Connor. I, I'm Josh. Uh, that's going to be. When are we doing that? We've got to figure let's out. Plan that now. Let's, yeah, let's, let's plan out when we're going to record next week as well. Okay, let's fine. do that right for now. That's going to be a weird show. <laughs> See you next week. All right, bye. Some love the fair. Clap a neck for some love the fair.